From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome. My name is Richard Serrett, and this is The Conspiracy Show. Congratulations, you found us somehow, some way. Last week on the program, uh, privacy expert Mark Weinstein was here, and we were discussing the likelihood that the Central Intelligence Agency was involved in the funding and development of social media companies like Facebook. makes a great deal of sense when you think about it. And after the program, I received a, uh, a tweet from someone pointing out how interesting it was that Weinstein mentioned Facebook a number of times in conjunction with the CIA, but never once mentioned Twitter. Uh, now, I'm not actually sure if that's true, whether Weinstein didn't mention Twitter. I haven't had time to go back and listen to the interview again, so maybe Twitter was mentioned, maybe it wasn't. But get this. The CIA, as of May 6th, now has joined Twitter, and they sent out their very first tweet. Let me share it with you, and I've also retweeted it at Richard Serrett. The CIA's first tweet reads, The CIA can neither confirm or deny that this is our first tweet. Who'd have thunk it? The boys that botched the Bay of Pigs invasion, then killed Kennedy, the boys that brought you the gonorrhea experiments in Guatemala, have a sense of humor. How wonderful. Anyway, I'm now following the CIA on Twitter, and I sent them an invitation for their director, John O'Brennan, to come on the program, and then I wrote that Edward Snowden says hi. Incidentally, the CIA has over a half million followers in only... uh, well, less than a month since they've been up on Twitter. Anyway, uh, later in the program, we'll do our paranormal roundup, paranormal news roundup with Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Some great, great stories in the news, including rather disturbing past life memories of a three-year-old in the Golan Heights. Three-year-old boy who remembers his previous life. He's only three, remember. And he has pointed out that in his previous life as an adult, he was murdered. He, went, he took the elders of the village to the grave. It was exhumed. There was a murder victim found in the grave with an, an axe wound to the head. He even knew the name of the murderer. The elders of the village confronted the man with the evidence, and of course, he denied. But uh, anyway, we'll give you more details when Rosemary Ellen Guiley joins us uh, towards the bottom of the hour. A couple of weeks ago, I opened the show on a sad note. Just before I went on air... I was informed by my colleague and friend here at AM740, uh, 740 Zuma Radio, George Chinescu, that he had been told he had stomach cancer. And I, uh, I told George that night that I would be praying for him. And that, uh, that doesn't mean a lot to some people these days, but I knew it would mean something to George, and I did pray for him. But the other thing I did was I immediately sent an email to my friend, Douglas James Cottrell, world-renowned medical intuitive and energy healer, and I asked Douglas to come into studio as soon as he possibly could to perform a laying on of hands on on, on George. And, and Douglas informed me, he got right back to me, he says, I'm in Spain on tour, uh, but I will immediately send out a healing intention and, and some energy, healing energy, remotely. Well, to cut to the quick, a few days later, George Janescu emails me, because he promised to to update me, he said he went back to the doctors. They couldn't find the cancer. The next week, which was last week, I come into studio, and George informs me that he has, for the first time in three and a half months, been pain-free. Three and a half months. He's been in horrible pain, although he never told me. Uh, So now, 
My dear friends, George Genescu joins me in studio, as does Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, fresh from his tour of Spain. Gentlemen, how are you? Dr. James and I just have had a wonderful session, Richard, and uh, the laying on of hands. Uh, I, I asked him, what should I be feeling? And he just said, uh, I, I don't know. That's the healing has come through me. And I said, are you the conduit? And he said, if you want to look at it that way, yes, he is the conduit. But on the previous reference, Richard, uh, for three months and more, I have had this unbelievable, uncomfortable, painful stomach. I felt something growing there. And in my mind, I was certain and I had a fear that it was cancer. And now... This is almost two and a half weeks, and uh, as I was telling the doctor, I had a monster pizza <laughs> just to celebrate. Well, uh, and Douglas, uh, Douglas James Cottrell, welcome once again, my friend, uh, back from Spain, and we're great to have you in studio. Quite a story. Now, the, the night I sent you that email, how soon after you received that from me? Did you start sending out these these healing energy? Well, it's always a pleasure to be here, Richard. And uh, you know, uh, George received a uh, class A miracle healing. These are rare, and these are uh, uh, they have telltale, uh, um, I guess, results where instantly a healing occurs, pain is abated, and a physical change happens at an accelerated rate. When I got your email, I immediately uh, put my hands in the air like I'm indicating now, which is about shoulder height. I take my deep breath. I visualize George, and I sent the energy through my hands to him. Now, this energy that's collected in the air, uh, I liken it to electricity or lightning. And so if you you believe uh, or see it in, in such a way that God Almighty is like electricity, you can kind of grasp the idea that this is a force that can be manipulated or sent. But the force itself is independent. It does whatever it does. And that's why when George asked me uh, uh, how he should feel, I said, I don't know, because who am I? You know, I'm just the, the, the conduit. I'm, I'm the person. I might You're far like, too humble, doctor. I mean, well, I'm... Well, i got to explain it this way, George, because... Uh, ego is the is the great deterrent that stops people. When you start to think you're the source of this divine creative energy, you get in trouble, and you get your little wrist slapped every now and so on. So, when you're dealing with the big guy, you have to be very careful. But the idea is that uh, when you asked me on the email, uh, I immediately sent the energy to George, and then for the next day or two, whenever he would come to mind, I would send the energy to him uh, by doing the same thing. This is the way we teach people how to be healers, and many, many, many people are natural healers. In other words, they have this ability to do laying on of hands, to send energy out, uh, call it energy, you can call it Reiki, you can call it uh, therapeutic touch, you can call it prantic healing. There are a bunch of names, but the reality is that as a person, as a human being with a soul, you're able to contact in the spiritual levels something it's able to be transmitted to someone else through the air or, as we did tonight in the studio, by specifically putting my hand in certain places. I'm, I've been doing this for 40 years, so I'm fairly knowledgeable of how to put energy into a body. 
uh, and how to create it around me. I mean, there's been pictures of me, George, with like a cloud behind me or like an angel standing behind me, as somebody described it. So I'm able to collect this energy. I reach out in the air and I grab it and I put it or direct it more exactly into a body. Even from 5,000 miles away. Well, this is the whole secret. God is everywhere, as we're taught in the Bible. I'm a Christian, uh, raised as a Christian, but I'm, a, I'm an interfaith minister. All the great religions have room for spiritual healing or spiritual powers or intuition, whatever you want to call it. But 5,000 miles away, uh, electricity goes around the planet. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, uh, there's no limits. There's no uh, there's no finite thinking, and this is the hard thing for most people, and why they go off in different religious directions and beliefs. They they try to define God in a finite way, and I have a fundamental uh, belief that says that's a mistake. Douglas James Cottrell is uh, with us in studio, and a remote uh, viewer, uh, medical intuitive, uh, energy healer. Some would uh, say faith healer. Uh, George Janescu, my uh, good colleague here at AM740 and the host of Big Band Sunday Night. George, take us back now. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when I came in here and you told me that... Um, I had this great fear of cancer, yes. Right. Now, um, how soon after that, I mean, that Sunday night, I immediately... Uh, I, I came into the studio, I sent the email I said immediately. By Tuesday. By Tuesday. I was feeling no pain. And it was a joyful... I, I, I got... Out of bed, uh, I literally flipped onto the onto the floor, whereas before I had to sort of rock and then get you know get the momentum to go. But more important, Richard, is that I knew right away that what was bedeviling me, which I feared, was cancer. I knew it was gone. Now that's the first time I've been that positive. And I realized what was happening is a couple of years ago, the doctor healed my my lower back. Yes. And well, I wasn't listening to the program. I was trying to find out a ball score. <laughs> and my team eventually lost, the Dodgers. But uh, I, I got pulled my car off Highway 11. Uh, I signaled, of course, did it safely. And I thought I was having a heart attack, this tremendous rush of pain. No, beg your pardon, heat yes. in my lower back. Yeah, let's, let me take uh, viewers or listeners back. This is going back maybe three, four years ago. We were at the other studio on Queen Street, and you came hobbling into the studio. I said, George, what's wrong? And you described, was it arthritis or something down your back and down your leg? Was, yeah. and you were in terrible shape. And as it happened that night, Douglas was coming in. You were coming in to, this, to do a show with me at 11 o'clock, Douglas. I think I phoned in that night, Richard. I think I was on the phone. I don't know if I came in the studio, but your, your memory's better than mine. Uh, seems to me you were, but I, I could be wrong. Anyway, you were. You, uh, I, I said to you on the air, I said, my good friend George Janescu is, is in great pain tonight, and he's heading uh, home as we speak. Could you send out some healing energy? Now, George always faithfully listens to this program on the drive home. Except that this night, one time. This I was one looking time. for a ball score. <laughs> so he, he had no idea what was happening on the air. And the next week I came in, George, I said, George, how are you feeling? He goes, it's the strangest thing. And then you told me this story. I thought I was having a heart attack. And then I realized it wasn't because I stepped out of the car with such ease and without pain. And I said, oh, I can't be having a heart attack. 
And I didn't understand it at all. Next Sunday, you and I had a conversation, and you said, do you realize that you received a healing miracle? I, and I played the clip of, of you, Douglas, right. on the air, sending out this healing energy for George for the first time, and he practically fell out of his chair. I told you, Doctor, that I, I had no knowledge uh, other than the fact that I was the recipient of this great blessing. Well, I, it's one of my favorite stories, George. We sent out energy from the uh, studio. You weren't aware what was going on. I was describing the energy going through your shoulders, down your spine, yes. to your pelvis. Yes. And we were recounting what was going on at that moment because I was clairvoyantly watching you from above in your car. And um, I find it as, as a great story that there you were thinking you were having a heart attack when yes. you are receiving a miracle blessing. It's an amazing story. I love it. Well, but, and, but this one, I think, tops that one. Well, listen, we'll take a time out. We'll come back. George, can you, uh, can you hang a little? Uh, I'll be out most little... happy. I, just being close to this gentleman makes me feel good. All right. Dr. Douglas James Cottrell is with us, best known as a trans clairvoyant, spiritual healer, teacher, published author, and uh, we'll tell you about his new book, as well as his uh, recent tour of Spain when The Conspiracy Show returns here. Big Brother is listening. And so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Obviously, we have to be careful about tossing around terms like medical miracle. However, in the last five years, I'm pretty certain I've witnessed two of them, and both of them involve the gentleman seated across from me, George Genescu, who hosts Big Band Sunday Night and uh, the program that precedes The Conspiracy Show here on AM 740, our flagship station. A couple of weeks ago, George told me that he had stomach cancer. I sent an email to my good friend, remote viewer, trans clairvoyant, medical intuitive, healer, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, who was in Spain at the time. He promised to immediately send out some healing energy. He did. A couple of days later, George Genescu informs me, no cancer, and more importantly, perhaps, no pain for the first time in three and a half months. I want to be very clear. I have not had medical proof that I can point a finger or to show that I now have no cancer. I know in my heart I have no cancer. But the pain is gone. The pain is gone, and the discomfort that came with it is gone. In a couple of weeks, I haven't yet had the results of the blood test spoken to me or the MRI, and I'm, I'm anticipating a CAT scan. I also have a meeting with a cardiologist with which went awry. They screwed it up, unfortunately, and I waited six weeks for it, and I don't know how long I'm going to have waited now. The thing is, I am so comfortable with believing the doctor. I have such faith in what he does or has done, and uh, I can only say that... I would send any of my dearest friends to him for a healing because it happens. Well, that's the whole secret, George. My motto is faith is built upon belief and belief is built upon evidence. You have to have evidence of the spiritual world or uh, you then have theories and you can't really believe. Although you might claim you do, you hope that your beliefs are right. But in order to have uh, faith... You have to believe in something where you have evidence, and evidence in the physical world is the immediate removal of pain, uh, the improvement you had uh, a few years ago when you had that instant healing. Even oh. though you were unexpecting it, you were driving up Highway 11, and we were in the studio someplace, 
we have a, a center in, in Hamilton. It's called the Mini Mansion Spiritual Center, and the Baroness and her family have uh, donated the funds to purchase this building. We're just a fledgling place. We're, of course, experiencing all kinds of growing pains and trying to get it established. And I'm at the same time being called around the world in different places like Argentina and Poland and uh, Norway and Spain and things like that. Uh, as I travel more of the world, it's, it's showing people that God is everywhere. And uh, we try to get people to come to um, uh, Hamilton to our many mansion spiritual services. And people can look at mmsci.org, by the way, if they want to see the calendar. We're just, just growing there, but we want to Would teach Would you say people. that again, please? You're it's, it's a many mansion spiritual center. And it's an incorporated nonprofit company, and it's also a registered charity. Uh, so the uh, the website's mmsci.org. So we're just we're just starting out, and we're open to people from all faiths who want to come there and experience spiritual healing, learn how to do it. So it's a place uh, uh, for people to come in. You know, our area. It's not too far away. Hamilton's 45 minutes away. George, uh, when you uh, told me uh, last week that you're you're feeling great, no more pain, and you suspect that the the, the cancer is gone. Yes. Uh, I said, well, let's bring. Douglas in here anyway and do a laying on of hands and you said great because I'm a wreck because you have a you know let's admit I have a number of things yeah you have a a, a the doctor addressed those about half hour ago Uh, my heart you know I've had a a multiple bypass 12 years ago so you know there's no warranty uh, that I'm going to continue Uh, and and uh, the, they're searching out diabetes, and and I told him about this dizziness, and I, I'm so interested because he was so quick to respond, Doctor. May I impose on you? When I said I have this dizziness, which I'm taking pills for, you said I told you it was a vertigo, it was a brain circulation problem. Uh, when we laid hands on you, we went through the body, starting with the abdomen or solar plexus. We you did this before you came on air just yes. in the other studio, yes. a laying on of hands, right? And George responded as the energy went through his abdomen, through his heart, into his neck, and then into his head. And when he got to the head, he almost fell on me. He was wobbling back and forth. Do you remember that, George? I remember being very uh, wobbly, that's for sure. But I don't remember. F- well, you were so well. You were. You you're were, so calm about this, doctor. This. Yeah. Well, blows me away. I expected a little more histrionics, but none, none of that. Well, we do it every day, George, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like a, a Catholic priest. I'm on call all the time. Obviously, in Spain, I don't get any rest. Richard's emailing me up with special requests. <laughs> <laughs> there for, you go, wow. Richard. <laughs> for people of interest. But the the idea is that uh, when you were doing it, you reported tingling in your, in your fingers yes. and you were wobbling. And uh, if... Um, you know, if somebody were to subscribe to our newsletter, we have pictures of my recent uh, healing event in Barcelona where people actually pass out and they faint on the floor. Uh, we have people who catch them if should that happen, and it happens regularly. And they go to a uh, altered state of consciousness, let's call it, and the healing occurs. They get up, they're pain-free. Uh, we have four testimonials in this last trip of genuine miracles. Again, wow. accelerated, complete uh, removal of pain or suffering. So this is something I'm teaching people. and something I've done all my life. My teacher was Reverend Alec Holmes, who's passed away. And uh, it's... it's. I know it, an Alec Holmes who was in uh, uh, Sault Ste. Marie. Well, this man was from Cairo, Michigan, actually. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, that, that would be Alec. Yeah, maybe then that's the same one. But obviously you've received something just half an hour ago. You could feel the energy going through could your I body. Ever. 
This is not faith healing, which is, holy moly, you're going to be better sometime. This is immediate, and you can feel the energy going in, or the healing forces. And this comes from the divine. I always give credit. I always ask for the name of the Holy Family, or Jesus, or Mary. Uh, I'm, it's a Christian background I have. But it also uh, allows the divine, other divine beings, to, you know, interdimensional beings called angels and things like that to participate. And something has happened to you, George. You responded like most other people. You could feel the energy going through the body. But you were wobbling. You were in that alpha state of mind. So my response tells you that I received the, the blessing or the healing. And I can feel the energy leaving my hands. Uh, usually the recipients of the energy feel heat on their head. If I put my hands on their head, they'll feel some sensation. Energy crisis? What energy crisis? Exactly. Now, I'll be very interested to hear, uh, George, when you go in for your next checkup concerning your heart valve. Yes. And uh, the diabetes. Valves. Valves. All right. Uh, You know, what they have to say, if you wouldn't mind sharing that with me. My my GP is marvelous. In fact, I I want to say for GPs everywhere, they're overworked and underappreciated. He has done wonders from, you know, saving me from my heart 12 years ago, getting me into a cardiologist and to where Dr. Daniel Bonneau at at, uh, uh, St. Michael's cut me open and you know, did a quadruple bypass. Uh, so I'm, I'm all for GPs, and I trust my own GP explicitly. But that trust is very different than what I feel for the for the doctor or from the doctor, because the, the humi- from this doctor, Doctor yeah, Cockrell, yeah, yeah. from this from his humility, I, I take tremendous strength. I, I've never met anyone that has the ability to do such great things. And has no ego about it. Did you tell your physicians what, what happened? No. No. You're no. not going to share that with The me. one I'm going to, uh, you know, when I run into the office in my tennis shorts. And, uh, but I, I'm waiting. Uh, once I have the meeting with my cardiologist, then then I will, uh, I'll be able to brag. Uh, Douglas, I want to ask you quickly about uh, you have a new book out, uh, The uh, Complete New Age Medical Guide. Tell us about that. Well, it's a book that's 30 years in the making. My son, uh, Douglas, who has a master's in English literature, has been uh, putting together the information that we've been uh, obtaining through this DTM meditation method that we use. It's like Edgar Cayce's uh, um, information. And by the way, I'll be in New York City starting this Friday, June the 13th to the 24th. Uh, and I'll be, this is for the first time anybody like me has been uh, invited to the Edgar Casey uh, Center in New York City. So it's a big, big thing in my career to go there and a big honor because Edgar Casey was the uh, meditative clairvoyant who was able to give a medical information. And Ross Peterson was my mentor and, and teacher. And there's another man, Paul Solomon, who, uh, who was doing the same thing that I did not meet. And I'm going there to talk about uh, a variety of things and about my book. And this particular book... Uh, we're pre-selling it. We're giving a discount, huge discount on it now. It'll be out by the end of the summer. And it's going to have everything you need to know from this source of information, which is credible. It's information that has been obtained from the divine. It's put together in a practical way. And it's right now uh, pre-selling very well. So if people are interested, they can go to my website, douglasjamescottrell.com, and have a look at it. It's right on the front page and, and make up their own mind. But this is a book that gives uh, information on all the diseases, uh, um, information that is basically, I can say, obtained from 
very few sources, and it addresses some of the major concerns people have in their health. It addresses things physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. It's a fantastic book, if I don't say so myself, but I'm not bragging. It is really a good book. People should have it. The Complete New Age Medical Guide, and the website again, Douglas James Cottrell. Let me spell the last name, C-O-T-T-R-E-L-L, Douglas James Cottrell, all one word, dot com. And again, the book is The Complete New Age Health Guide. I think I said medical guide. It's The Complete New Age Health Guide. Well, George, how are you feeling? I'm feeling fine. i got to get on the road and get home and have a couple of biscuits and my cup of tea. All right. Well, I will send you on your way. And, uh, well, listen, thanks for uh, for hanging in after your uh, Richard, your thank shift. you. Your efforts uh, got me in touch with this miracle worker. He hates me for saying that. He doesn't hate. I'm sorry. I'm sure he doesn't like me saying that. No, it's okay, George. You can say anything you like. Uh, uh, people have uh, called me many things, and it's, mu- it's much better to be called something like that than somebody <laughs> other things people say about me. So. There is so much disbelief. Is that well, there, there are people out there in the world, and, and Richard and I, have, I've been, we've been doing radio for decades. There is, there is a, a certain uh, dark side, as there always is. And I'm a light worker compared to a dark worker. And uh, the spiritual world is so foreign to people. We should be trained in church and in school and different places about the spiritual world. And this is what I do for a living. When I discovered that the spiritual world really existed, I was so excited. And then I kept meeting very talented people. But there's a dark side. There, there are people who aren't really telling the truth. They're taking advantage of people. And uh, so I always say be very, very skeptical of who you're dealing with. Have people been in, the, in this uh, area of work for a long time? What did they do before? I used to work for the Toronto Daily Star newspaper. I resigned when I was uh, 28 years of age, 27 actually. By the time I was 28, I was on my own. And I devoted my life to this kind of work. I was in my 20s. Think about that. So when you look at people who have made a sacrifice, who have devoted themselves to the work, that they're honest and they have a long clientele, uh, then you can start to believe that, uh, well, maybe I should investigate this person. But go slow. Uh, always be skeptical. And remember, faith is built upon belief and belief is built upon evidence. I have a ton of books on my website, douglasjamescottrell.com. And one of the best uh, books that I can suggest as a, as a primer is Masterful Prayers. These are prayers that really work. Well, really can anybody work. learn to do what you do? Just about anybody. I say just about because there are some people who are atheists. They don't believe in anything. They don't want to learn. But anybody uh, who would like to come and take a class or, or meet me, I show them. I can make the invisible visible by showing them how energy works. I can demonstrate clairvoyance, telepathy, uh, clairaudience, and uh, premonition, precognition, dream interpretation, all the things that are listed in the book of Corinthians as spiritual gifts. So people are interested, yes, I can teach them. How do you say to the skeptics who say that energy can't be measured, therefore it can't exist? Well, George just measured it today. He felt the energy, his pain disappeared, and some people have said to me, well, that's the power of suggestion. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Maybe Who cares? Something. It yeah, works. It, it that's works. right. Yeah, it works. That's all I'm, that's all I'm worried, uh, concerned about. But I've dedicated my life to this, and I have seen countless miracles, not just one or two, many. And I don't go around bragging about it. I don't document them all, but people have sent me letters, and we know from the evidence that this really does work. So the skeptics are out there. I say, oh, it's okay. Be skeptical. What is to be skeptical? open-minded, look at it, and try to understand it. 
the other people determined to say, I'm a skeptic, I don't believe anything. Well, that's, that's not true. That's a lie. You're not a skeptic. You're just somebody who doesn't want to believe. But if you're skeptical, like I was, and I still am to this very day, show me. Let me see the evidence. Let well, you see. showed me and you showed my good friend George Chinescu. Sure Thank you so much, Douglas. Thank you. Well, Good my to pleasure. See you again. It's always a pleasure to be on your show, Richard. You know, you're 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 crusading for truth all the time, and uh, George has uh, somehow uh, received a blessing from the divine. And, and this is my payment. This is what I don't ask for payment. This is all done for free. You know, spiritual healing is done for free, and this is what I like to see that somebody has a blessing. It makes my life. Uh, the complete New Age Health Guide, and it's DouglasJamesCatrell.com. Thank you again, my friend George, on your bike. The Conspiracy Show. Hey, Rosemary Ellen Guiley in our Paranormal News Roundup when The Conspiracy Show continues. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. A couple of weeks ago, I instituted a, a new segment on the program. Once a month, we bring in our paranormal investigator, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and uh, we walk through some stories of the paranormal variety, and we've got a basket full of them for you tonight. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is one of the world's leading experts on the paranormal, with more than 50 books published by major houses on a wide range of paranormal, spiritual, and mystical topics, including nine single-volume encyclopedias. Her work is translated into 15 languages. She's worked full-time in the paranormal since 1983, researching, investigating, writing, and presenting, and teaching. Her present work focuses on interdimensional entity contact experiences of all kinds and uh, technical and mediumistic spirit communications. Hey, Rosemary, how are you? Well, I'm doing very well, Richard. It's busy season for me, and I'm out on the road a lot, traveling around doing conferences and conventions. That's right. You just got back from Vermont at a, from a, a Dowser's conference. How did that go? It was a wonderful event. It was my third time this year, or this year was my third time at the American uh, Society of Dowsers, and I gave a big presentation on dowsing angels, which um, I've created some tools for doing that. Uh, this conference gets several hundred people every year, and they're quite enthusiastic about all kinds of metaphysical topics. And then when you set it in a place like Vermont, and this is very close to the Canadian border, it's up in Lindenville, uh, the scenery is just spectacular. So uh, everything combined is just a wonderful weekend. Oh, it sounds like a great event. I'll have to get down there one of these days. Listen, what a bounty of uh, amazing stories on the paranormal front. I wanted to get your take on uh, these investigators in, in Russia uh, that are rather baffled by unexplained and gruesome deaths of Russian college students. Now, this happened decades ago, but they've come up with a new suspect, a rather interesting and unlikely suspect. It's a pretty thin case for the Yeti, which is what they've come up with. And uh, I watched the documentary on it and uh, remained unconvinced. And I'm always willing to, to give a very liberal benefit of the doubt to uh, a lot of paranormal theories, but this one was just way too much of a stretch. These students who went out uh, uh, camping, um, who were then all discovered uh, gruesomely killed, uh, it happened in 1959. There was a long stretch of time before the bodies were found. All sorts of things could have happened to them. 
And to blame it on Sasquatch, I just thought that's way too much. We don't have any evidence, really, that Sasquatch goes around on rampages killing people. And um, the, the researchers who hold to the interdimensional theory on uh, Bigfoot, and as I do myself, uh, have always stated that they believe that these uh, creatures are very benevolent and not hostile. So um, I'm just very, very skeptical about this angle. Why did it take them so long to come up with a suspect like the Yeti? This happened, as you say, back in the uh, sort of the height of the Cold War in the late 50s. If I had to, to speculate on a reason, it looked like uh, somebody was casting around for uh, a story to hang uh, a theory on. And uh, the evidence that was produced for this in the documentary uh, I found unconvincing. Uh, I didn't like the documentary much itself. It reminded me uh, of the Blair Witch Project with um, you know, a lot of uh, recreated footage that was supposed to look genuine and um, screams and whatnot thrown in. Uh, it was just a little over the top. So uh, it just l- looked to me like a, a put-together story. Uh, and, uh, I mean, what are, what are the other... <clears throat> Is anyone offering any um, alternative... Uh, a theory as to what happened to these college students? I mean, again, going back to the Cold War, uh, there could have been some skullduggery there. Well, one of them that was put forward was that uh, the natives who live in the area, who are very um, uh, hostile to people invading their turf, that they were were killed by uh, the indigent people there, and that's that's quite plausible. Uh, other theories that have been put forward was that they were killed uh, because there was some sort of secret research going on for uh, weaponry, uh, unusual weaponry, and they might have even been killed by that weaponry. Um, we don't really know enough on on that angle. Uh, so it, it is a very mysterious case where these, these students were uh, unfortunately killed, and there are some very strange circumstances around it. We'll probably never know the truth. But definitely, as far as you're concerned, not the Yeti responsible for the not, deaths. Not a paranormal explanation. All right. Well, listen, we'll, we'll take a time out. When we come back, I, I want to talk to you about uh, this mythological creature from Japan. I mean, uh, you know, British kids, of course, grow up with, uh, grow up with uh, the legend of, of Loch Ness in Japan. They have their own version. It's a water demon. Apparently, someone's found some remains of what might be this mythological kappa, which are about to go on display in Japan. And we'll also talk about an angel who saved British troops during World War I, a three-year-old who remembers some rather disturbing details uh, about his past life, and something right up your alley, Rosemary, and that is the mysterious fairy circles. Uh, we'll uh, get to all of that and much more when Rosemary Ellen Guiley stays with us after this timeout. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And we are back with Rosemary Ellen Guiley. So, uh, some rather strange pictures I saw online via the Daily Mail in the UK. Uh, the, they appear to be uh, the bones of a, of a claw and perhaps uh, a rear leg. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, some, some people are convinced that these are the remains of something called the Kappa, a water demon from ancient folklore uh, that was kind of a... 
Well, a green and scaly creature with webbed feet look, looks a little bit like a human. What do you make of this story, Rosemary? Uh, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Uh, I am a believer in uh, these entities who share the planet with us, and uh, they range from demonic entities to, you know, fairies and uh, gnomes and trolls and things like that. And I do believe that there are these beings who share the planet with us. Many of them are tricksters. The Kappa are water uh, spirits, uh, sometimes called water demons, that have a trickster nature. Uh, they're very similar to other kinds of uh, creatures in fairy lore that uh, live in watery areas and uh, jump out at people and scare them or pull them under the water and try and drown them. Uh, but even though these creatures exist, I'm convinced that they do, I don't think we're going to find physical remains of them because they're not physical creatures. Wow, they're, right, right. Uh, they're beings who uh, who live in an, another dimension, and uh, people can experience them, but we never really find any solid evidence for them. So my take on it is uh, the Kappa are real, but I'm uh, skeptical of the remains that are found uh, because I don't think that they would belong to the Kappa. So what do you think these remains are, some sort of a giant lizard? Well, uh, there were some experts speculating that um, these might be some sort of like giant salamander or natural water creature that, um, y you know, just look weird because of the way they've been preserved. They look, um, uh, you know, they're all bare of flesh and, and they look uh, almost like fossils in a way. Uh, so we could be looking at natural remains that have become kind of distorted and strange-looking because of, um, you know, the way they've, uh, they've eroded over time. Um, the spirits, I think, will continue to pester people, uh, but we'll, we'll never find uh, physical remains for them because there aren't any to find. All right, let's, uh, so that's two strikes. <laughs> no Yeti killing the, uh, the Russian college students and the remains of the uh, Japanese water demon, uh, probably a fraud. Uh, let's talk about, this is a remarkable story. Of course, we, we just um, commemorated the 70th anniversary of the D-Day landing in Europe, which was sort of the beginning of the end of World War II. So let's dial it back to World War I, an amazing story about an angel reporting to have saved British troops uh, and now it's being speculated it wasn't an angel, perhaps it was a UFO. Set the table for us, Rosemary. This is a very complicated story, and I uh, investigated it myself some years ago uh, for the Encyclopedia of Angels that I wrote, and I have a lengthy article on this very topic, so I was excited to see this story. And um, it's so complex with so many angles, and actually the UFO angle has some merit to it because of some of the visions that were seen by these soldiers. Uh, now, uh, there were a variety of visions that were uh, reported after uh, this battle, and uh, they were seen by Germans, French, and British alike. Uh, some saw uh, a man on a white horse who was a uh, said to be St. George, who rides out to the rescue of the British people at times of need. Uh, other people saw phantom soldiers. Uh, some saw uh, angel shapes, uh, that is, uh, glowing um, human-like forms with outstretched wings. Others saw glowing lights in the sky. Um, there were uh, visions of soldiers that seemed to be projected into the clouds. 
some of these stories um, were believed to be the product of suggestion or even hallucination, uh, that once the report started coming in, it uh, some people believed that it just stimulated more to say, oh, yeah, I think I saw that too. Uh, and then there was an author of a short story uh, called The Bowman of Mons. Um, it was entirely fiction about uh, phantom uh, soldiers who come to the rescue of the Allied forces. And uh, he went public and said, uh, this is all based on my story. My story came out right after this battle, and uh, people are taking fiction and turning it into uh, you know, real accounts. But the weird thing is, Richard, that there were so many accounts from so many sources that we can't write them all off as some sort of mass hallucinations or even mass suggestion. So something very strange happened during this battle. And, uh, you know, we have other cases where uh, soldiers who are under the, this incredible stress of, of fighting uh, have had visionary uh, experiences, sometimes with helping beings like um, individuals who seem to be very human-like, moving among the wounded, helping them. And that also was reported um, uh, at Mons, too, uh, ministering to the wounded soldiers. And then nobody knows who these individuals are, and so the explanation for it is, is angels. In this particular so, case, though, Rosemary, uh, how did this apparition or angel or ET or whatever it was, how did it specifically come to the aid of the of these British soldiers during this battle? Well, the lights that um, modern researchers are saying might be UFOs, uh, they did not come down and move around among the trenches. They were seen up in the sky. And um, this was, um, there was one report of a this strange light in the sky that had an outline to it, and it wasn't um, it wasn't the moon. And uh, this was seen by multiple men, and this light became brighter and brighter, just like a UFO uh, report today. Uh, but what they said was that the light separated into three different spheres. And now we have that in UFO reports, too, where lights separate and, and uh, recombine. But they said in this case, after uh, separating the three spheres, they took the shape of angels. Uh, and they had these large outstretched wings, and they wore long, loose, flowing golden garments. So that really doesn't match up with present-day UFO reports. There are some similarities. Um, so the question is, do uh, were, were people interpreting these um, uh, there wasn't talk of UFOs, of course, back in World War One. So were people looking at lights that we would call UFOs now, but uh, back then the interpretation would be uh, angels. Sure. Yeah, this is like 30 years uh, before light. Kenneth Arnold. So, uh, the, yeah, they would Exactly. Wouldn't... And, uh, you know, the, the argument has similarly been made for some of the descriptions of bright lights and uh, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, and biblical accounts, for example, that um, people were really dealing with with alien craft. But one question is, why would alien beings come and intervene in a battle anyway? Um, we, we don't really have a pattern of reported activity for that sort of intervention. We do for angels, sure. uh, where angelic beings come and uh, intervene or, or at least minister um, in, in battles. Uh, but it's not characteristic of 
ETs and UFO accounts. So. No, I, I, I definitely would cast my vote uh, for the angels on this one. I want to get your take on this story. This is, uh, it's, it's fascinating, it's somewhat disturbing, all rolled into one, and that is this three-year-old boy in the Golan Heights region near the border of Syria and Israel, three years old, and he said he was, in a previous life, he has memories of being murdered with an axe, and he actually showed village elders where the murderer buried his body. Amazing story, Rosemary. It is an absolutely astounding story, and it is well. Do- this kind of story is well documented in reincarnation literature, uh, especially in other cultures. This boy uh, comes from the Druze culture, and they have very strong reincarnation beliefs and even traditions for um, trying to help a child find their past life roots. If a child begins talking about a past life, it's very encouraged. Well, here's a child who, uh, as soon as he could talk, started uh, talking about having memories of having been hit in the head and killed with an axe. And he takes people to the grave, even identifies the killer by name. And the man denies it until all the evidence is uncovered, and then he did admit to the crime. Uh, Now, this other person was a full-grown man when he was killed and uh, evidently reincarnated right away. There are many other cases of young children having very detailed past life memories and they they also have recalled the way they died the the good things and the bad things they did to people and they can be very uh, specific in their detail about where they lived what their names were who other people were in their lives Uh, it's really very strong evidence uh, for the case for reincarnation. I'll say, I mean, in this case, uh, the little boy, as you say, he remembered the uh, the man's full name, and then when he was confronted, as you could imagine, the accused face turned ashen white and denied it. Uh, but then he actually um, uh, took the elders of the village to, the, to where the body was buried, which you mentioned, and in that very spot they found a man's skeleton with a wound to the head that corresponded to the boy's birthmark. Uh, that's amazing. The wound in the head corresponded to the boy's birthmark, and they also found the axe, the murder weapon. This is uh, another characteristic that's been well documented in the literature, the uh, matching of a birthmark to a wound from a previous life, especially a killing wound. And in uh, many cases, bullet wounds, knife wounds, here we have an axe wound, um, and it, it is very interesting that it seems to be in the next life the person has some sort of physical scar uh, that's a, a trace from that from that past life. Well, if so, true, a very solid case here. Yes, yes. I mean, if true, uh, this to me would be right up there. I would think this would even surpass the case of that little boy in Seattle. Uh, who was um, in a previous life believed he was a U.S. fighter pilot during the Second World War, named the aircraft carrier, named the sort of the uh, the, the arena where the battle took place in the South Pacific, and uh, the, the pilot's name. Although later we learned that the, the the boy's father frequently took the boy to a sort of an aeronautics museum, so which casts some doubt on that story. Well, he, he may have, uh, speculating, he may have taken them there because the boy had a, a very pronounced interest in that sort of thing, which could have been a carryover from a past life, too. That's very true. And uh, that uh, reincarnation does explain unusual interests like that that manifest early in life. But uh, this is a very solid case, and it's very hard to refute. Uh, 
reincarnation when you have uh, evidence like this. I'll say. It's a fascinating story, and I appreciate your perspective on it. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, always good to speak with you. We'll talk again next month. Thank you, Richard. Good night. VisionaryLiving.com is Rosemary's website. All right, and that is it. Uh, my thanks to Tim Spreen for technical production. Thanks to uh, Dr. Da- Douglas James Cottrell and, of course, our very dear friend George Ginescu for, re- uh, for sharing his remarkable story. Uh, and I will be back next week with the remarkable story of Anita Dittman trapped in Hitler's hell. Hope you'll be along for that. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home.